One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not late to talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight. I know that we are just musicians hired, and their time is up. So here's the Knights of Vader. Impressive. Most impressive. A big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is May 21st, 2022. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by. The Portis the Mortius on his, almost on his way to celebration uh I've lost count of how many there have been, Chris. Hey, happy to be here to talk about the second coming of Ewan McDonald as Obi-Wan and also a little bit about celebration. I do think they stopped numbering them like five celebrations ago. That was another Disney thing, right? Much like uh, episodes on the sequel trilogy we started. We no longer like numbered our uh, our celebrations. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, I think it's a, a bigger thing where I think the last one that had the number in the branding was, it was either five or six, and it's just like, seven for anything just sounds weird. It's like movie sequels, like the seventh one doesn't usually have the number in. It just sounds crazy. So you're telling me they should have named the seventh celebration The Force Awakens? You know, they were <laughs> they were dodging the, the phrase episode seven a little bit. They knew they had to have it in the crawl, but they it wasn't on a lot of stuff. I know it's kind of amazing how Disney really like weirdly picks and chooses things that they think people will get hung up on. I'll never, like I said, we'll get into a lot. The fact that I think to this day, Disney and Lucasfilm, or at least the, uh, Oh God, the powers that be at Lucasfilm still do not know how to effectively, effectively being the keyword manage the brand. There's a weird pinball effect. I think that's still happening a decade later. Yeah, um, I mean, as you alluded to, there's a lot of very interesting insights that you can get from this uh, Kathleen Kennedy Vanity Fair interview that just came out a couple days ago. Oh, yes. So, yes, folks, uh, I know in a couple of days we will have the Kenobi TV series debuting. Um, there will be an episode about that, obviously, in about a week or so. But like most major Star Wars uh, projects that debut, there's some episode that's titled On the Eve of, insert contemporary thing here and for that it's not just simply uh speculation we do have a meaty meaty vanity fair article that i would say chris is what it's on par of like one of the like film releases like this felt like force awakens level last jedi revenge of the sith it felt like that sort of magnitude behind it even though like i've read the article now three times and every time i read it it is it's not really telling us anything we didn't already either know or presume yeah, I think the reason it sort of has that vibe is because for like I, I like I'll be the first to admit it like they got me with that uh Annie Leibovitz uh Vanity Fair cover photo like I don't know, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's four people standing in a line, but it the 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 style of it, the fact that it's sort of across a couple different timelines I guess it's three different time periods. The actors representing in uh, in that group of four, uh, that cover got me. That was crazy, and um, 
uh, like I said, Andy Leibovitz did all those other somewhat famous Vanity Fair Star Wars covers. So it did really feel like a like the like the the uh, launch of a theatrical film. It, the the photos are the highlight, aside from a few quotes from Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> oh, Kathleen Kennedy. Um. I guess you're a big fan of the color blue because almost every, like that cover is like somebody just dipped it into like blue acrylic paint and then pulled it out. Like they like the color blue. Like I look at that, like I said, like to me that the Annie Leibovitz thing, like outside of it being a tradition, I find severely overrated. Um, the force awakens one was fun because like it was the idea of star Wars is back. The last Jedi one just frustrated me. Cause again, it was another one of those things of like, it, it felt like, them trying to make trying to elevate star wars in a way that's not supposed to be again star wars in the words of george lucas is a movie series for children um or at the very least for a bunch of like dweebs in their 20s and again it's a weird elevation of star wars that feels like they're not doing it because they want to present the material that way it's the ultron luke skywalker thing of we have to do this because tradition tells us we have to do it Okay, I like I I agree with what you're saying, but like you know, she's like the photos are good. Like the, pho- oh, no, no, the I'm, photos, I'm not, are, yeah. I'm not trying to take away from the photos. I mean that like when Lucas would do this with the prequels, it was meant to like it was Lucas's attempt to try to elevate Star Wars in the '90s, being like, no, this is like I am doing something. It's the Jimmy C thing. I am trying to elevate this uh, pulpy film series to something. Because again, like. Lucas didn't do anything like this in the seventies or eighties. He didn't. And then, so like there's the other quote from what the DVD extras on the Phantom Menace where like he sees like Titanic breaking box office records and you can tell he is very, very dejected. He's like, this is impossible. Nothing's ever going to be Titanic. Nothing's ever going to be. And I feel like when he was doing all this of Vanity Fair, it was an attempt to be like trying, not only say position Star Wars as prestige, but try to get Star Wars looked at under a lens that really never was looked at before. Um, and then when Lucasfilm with under Disney stewardship started doing it, it felt like we're not doing this for the reason, like the faux elevation reasons that Lucas is doing it. It's just, we have to do this because we've done it. Like, Oh, it's part of the, the marketing template, not to detract from the pictures. I'm not trying to take away from the photos or the quality of the photos. You, you, you're right though. Usually, um, usually the photos would be the only interesting thing about, uh, this sort of Vanity Fair presentation and the content would be, you know, extremely by the numbers, sort of like this article is sort of like that. It's just, I think, and I think the uh, Kathleen Kennedy interview is an uh, web exclusive. It's not even in the, the print version of the magazine, which I don't even know if that's out yet, but you, you know, um, I just like, I, I like the idea that they're sort of, they're sort of taking seriously, like uh, sort of onset, uh, photos and capturing some some stuff for the, for the story. I don't know. I don't mind the the fact that they're trying to make it prestigious. What I don't like is um I think with Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker there were like a bunch of alternate covers and I and you know like when you have the uh, when you have their when when you gamify it and say you know here's the light side and dark side cover inevitably you have much more boring shots because they're like sort of formulaic and it's like one character doing something and it's like themed like that force awakens one is pretty awesome uh i like the episode three one is really great too it's just they they got everybody involved there they got lucas in there if i'm remembering correctly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's more interesting. It captures the moment a little more than Kylo Ren doing some sort of dramatic pose in the desert by himself. <laughs> You're telling me you don't, you don't like... Oh, God. Oh, I remember the last time the Vanity Fair Star Wars stuff was slightly controversial was what? It was like... Was it the Rise of Skywalker thing with Obi? I'm not Obi Wan. Luke Skywalker with like R2 on Octo. Everyone just like what? Like everybody was just kind of like losing their mind about that because like it was like wait he's not a Force ghost like. How? And I remember even I think at the time I was just like are they gonna do like a Jesus Christ resurrection thing with Luke Skywalker? Is that gonna be like the MacGuffin of resurrecting Luke? Um, like I don't know like like usually there's at least one weirdly like non sequitur photo whether it be that. Or the Obi-Wan and Darth Maul leaping in the desert, like dual shot that like is something that never happened. It was just a pro- basically a promotional still. Um, it's 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 weird. Like to think that there's really, like you said, the photos are maybe the least interesting thing about all this. The, I would say the article is less interesting than the photos, save the Kathleen Kennedy interview. <laughs> but yeah. what I mean though is that like the, the the photos, there's nothing to look, there's nothing to gawk at the photos. There's nothing to be like, oh wow. There, there is no yeah. awe in any of the photos. It's a little calculated these days. There, you know, it's a, you know, it's a lot of them are like there's not, Thank there's you. not a whole lot of candid looking stuff. Um, that there's this sort of this uh, uh, landscape shot of of cowboy hat man, Deborah Chow, uh, Favreau Lorian, and Kathleen Kennedy in front of like uh, projection of the slave one, which is, you know, it's just that at, at least so it's like favreau and, and kathleen kennedy are like in they're just doing the blue steel deborah chow is looking off into space and cowboy hat man is like laughing looking right at the camera so it's like at least one of them is a normal human being in this shot you know what i mean it's just a very strange shot because they're all doing fa- sort of different stuff um like i would i would prefer if it was like one of them like doing their job well, exactly. And I think, again, that's another level of just kind of being indicative of just Lucasfilm and how they do things. Nothing is natural. Nothing is organic. Everything is staged and inorganic. Like, it's everything has to be there to make it look good. And that's the thing where it's like, they, did they not realize that, like, any sort of creative endeavor is messy? Like, to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs? Like, are, are they incapable of that? Or is this just, again, Disney that, like, you wouldn't mind, like, I get it. Disney, everything's supposed to be squeaky clean. Um, but, like, this is the same company that, oh, God, within a couple of years of when Michael Eisner was ousted as CEO, there was books being written explaining all this. And everybody involved, which at the time was only in their positions of power for a couple of years, were all commenting on the record about what happened. So I don't know what happened to, Disney in the last, I'd say, decade plus, where they feel everything now has to be kind of hidden behind, like, the Iron Curtain. Like, there's stories about, like, after Mars Mars Needs Moms came out, where, like, with Zemeckis and all the things that went wrong with that, and it's like, you don't get that anymore. Like, there's no more exposés explaining what happened. Everything is just simply, like, this is a perfect venture. Nothing went wrong. Everything went according to plan. And there were never any issues. And it's like... Well, I... I, I, well, I, there's been a few notable exceptions to them presenting things that way, like the uh, like the director in the Jedi thing. Like you, they were pretty honest about the fact that I mean they had no choice at that point. Everyone knew that Mark Hamill wasn't exactly feeling it, uh, and for some of that, so I guess it, it I it seemed somewhat healthy that they talked about it. And I think um, 
you know, talking about things like not um, going <laughs> squeaky clean, as you say, um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's comments about Solo in this interview is by far the most interesting thing to me. Well, yeah, like it, 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 it confirms kind of everything we feared. And, and that's the thing. Like, if the highlight of an interview by the person who is the lead of the company that is in charge of the stewardship of one of the most beloved film franchises, franchises of all time, and she confirms that a CGI Ultron face main character is infinitely better than an actor making creative choices and collaborating with their fellow filmmakers and stuff. And, and, and that's just like... Like, like, as an artist, it should be abhorrent. Like, in all honesty, if she had a creative bone in her body, she should forget about even saying it. She wouldn't even think something like that. She should say that we take it on, like, a basis-by-basis basis level. The irony of this comment coming out within a week of the Kenobi show it cannot be understated. You know, it's the most successful recasting of a legacy character, like, ever. That You know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it is, um, you know, it's if people didn't accept this, like obviously I'm not plenty of people have pointed this out, but like Ewan McDonald is a, is a recasted legacy character. Um, it doesn't matter that it's been 20 years. Like the original version of that character, uh, is very iconic and, uh, not something that people forget. It's not, it's not a, it's not a thing that's outside of the cultural zeitgeist. Like Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan is like still something that is, uh, pretty relevant for whatever reason. It's something people remember. So it's it's a weird thing to say. It's taking the wrong lesson away from Solo's failure. What I don't understand is, is it so weird for her to say, if she's willing to say it was a mistake because we recast an iconic character, is it is that is saying that so much better than saying it was a mistake to put it out that close to The Last Jedi? Or, like like what makes what makes that kind of an error okay versus what most people would believe is the actual reason it failed to this day like and i've been beating the drum on this for nearly four years is that solo bombed because they literally sandwiched it between avengers infinity war and incredibles 2 like in deadpool 2 the, the movie did not have any space to breathe so isn't that le isn't that a less embarrassing admittance than saying our casting was completely wrong um if you're a human being yes if you're the head of a studio part of one of the largest entertainment brands on the face of the earth no because it's much easier to throw alden ehrenreich under the bus than it is the uh the head of marketing and the head of the studio it's much think about it. alan horn was the head of the studio again he's again he's one of those people i think he's more to blame for any of this than kathleen kennedy is because he's somebody who want was intending to retire after his Warner Brothers gig, Alan Horn being the person responsible for like the Harry Potter like thing of the early 2000s. And Bob Iger kind of dragged him out of retirement. So I think what happened was Alan Horn just wanted to get everything done. I think Bob Iger's thing was just we can't make money if if we don't have if something's not coming out every two weeks. And I think Alan Horn, instead of pushing back, just told Bob Iger yes to everything. And of course, again, I, I don't again, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy's the enemy here. I just think she has a no way she doesn't know how to push back. And on top of that, she does not understand what makes Star Wars popular to the people who have propelled it to being the one of the most successful entertainment 
anythings of all time. I think she had she's probably very good at making creative executive decisions. So when somebody like kind of like in the article, they mentioned a couple things where um, obviously Favrelorian wanted a baby Yoda, and Cowboy Hat Man was like, absolutely not. This is this basically rains on years upon years of just lore and the shroud of where Yoda came from. And I think it probably went to someone like her who found the balance there. I think she's probably a really good tiebreaker. Um, almost like, uh, was that, um, Oh God, was it King Solomon? That was the whole thing where like constant weeding out the best, of, the best of everybody. Um, I think that's probably where her strengths lie. I don't think she's good going into a room with a board of executives or, um, I'm sorry, a board of directors or the executives in pushing back on their ideas. I don't think that's where it's at. Cause again, the infamous story always being is that both her and JJ wanted the force awakens for a May 2016 release date. They begged and pled with Bob Iger saying, please give us more time to work on this. And his thing was, I want it by May 2015. I gave you December, December, or I'll find somebody else who can do it for me. And that's what it was. Like, it was called like, okay, like I already gave you, what would that be? Seven months. You're not, or you're not getting any more out of me. Um, because guess what? They couldn't give them May because that was, that was Captain America. They, that was civil war. We couldn't do that. We can't. And that's what it was. And it's the same thing with all this. Probably the only person that can probably push back on the machine is Jimmy C, who we've been waiting over a decade for Avatar 2 through 12. Um, and I think that's the issue. Well, speaking of Augur, that's another thing that makes this whole idea of um, the casting choice being the problem interesting. Because I feel like in Augur's book, didn't he already sort of fall on the sword of we did too many theatrical movies too fast, too close together? He already sort of blamed it on the proximity to the other movies. He did. Um, he did f say that you would think he took the hit from it, though. But for some reason, Lucasfilm, again, this is the same company and that feels it has to just keep picking its scabs. Uh, even in this article, there is a very specific line that I think about we are on the verge um, this she of, of Kenobi, the TV series being a more of a direct continuation of Revenge of the Sith than a prelude to A New Hope. And yet there is a line in this that says a uh, underwhelming prequel series. And I'm like, we are nearly 20 years removed from the end of the prequels and we still have to throw them under the bus. And it, but it's the same during the same week that mm -hmm. uh, that Ewan McGregor's out there saying it's so amazing that the people this movie was actually made for are now adults and they appreciate it and it's got a whole different cultural context it's just it's almost like you couldn't have paired the two remarks like more diabolically for to make them inconsequential together it's crazy well i think that's the thing i think luke lucasfilm is a hive mind but the problem is that it's a hive mind of probably two or three dozen people and they all think the same so there's really probably no diversity of thought in that sense, there's probably nobody sitting there looking at this from the outside and being like giving it some level of self-reflection, being like, like enough of the rhetoric of just attacking ourselves. Um, like, again, like there's no reason why four years after Solo, we should be bringing that up as a disappointment anymore. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be in the article about the three new shows that are coming out. Like, what are we even talking about Solo for? Literally, people would have forgot it existed if you didn't bring it up in this article. 
It's crazy. But th- and that's the thing. I, Lucasfilm makes so many peculiar decisions because uh, clearly this article had to be vetted by them in, in Disney's PR division. So if there was anything in this that they didn't find flattering, they could have very easily done like the little black sharpie it out. Um, They chose not to. So clearly they want that in there. They want that being part of the record. Yeah. It goes back to the comment Kathleen Kennedy made years ago about like the EU. Like she's like, I wish we had lore to pull from. Everybody kind of looked around the room and said, yeah, it's a shame Star Wars has no lore. I, I yeah. think she it's either being taken also to be fair to her. We also don't know the context of that. Like we we're not privy to these interviews. We don't know what happened right before them in, or anything that happened prior. So who knows? Maybe it's taken out of context because it knows it'll get a rise out of people. Um, but at the same time, though, like I said, if they didn't find it flattering or they felt it was something that wasn't their intent, they could very easily request it to be taken out, and they're choosing not to. Yeah, that's the thing. I to the idea that they wouldn't have um, some content control over this article is ridiculous. So. Well, here's my here's my question. Here's my question to you, Chris. After reading this article, looking at the pictures, are you any more excited about any of this? Like, I read this and I literally feel the exact same way before I read it. I'm like, okay, like there's there's stuff on the horizon. Um, it's all TV based. We are not going to get a Star Wars movie for at least f- three to five years again. Much like why I said in the uh, the postmortem of the rise of Skywalker. I sat there, warned everybody in January, 2020. I said, we're not getting movies for a very long time. Rise of Skywalker didn't make the money it needed to make. And star Wars has been written off. And this pretty much isn't the entire thesis of this article is star Wars is a, it's, it's practically the title of the article. It's star Wars is a television thing. Now you are not getting movies. Probably for again, like at the absolute earliest, what 2027, I, you know what though, like this is, this is okay with this would be more okay with me if the the book of Boba Fett wasn't just such a strange quagmire. Like I'd be like, because now the now the before that before this the filler episodes of the Mandalorian were like that's the worst case scenario for a Star Wars TV show. So like the floor has lowered since then <laughs> in terms of what they will accept as like well a Star Wars TV show. Well, this is what I want to ask you. And this is something that like, I, again, ever since the rise of Skywalker leaks, I, I really never want to talk about leaks on this podcast ever again. Um, but this is, I'm going to keep it very, very abstract and vague. Um, uh, there's been two reputable like leak sites that have, it's, it looks legit based on everything I've read. Other things I, like other leaks, it seems to corroborate itself. Maybe that's just, all coming from the same source but if what i'm seeing is true this series doesn't do anything to enhance anything like it it doesn't i don't want to say because the whole time like i think about what what does one want from the obi-wan kenobi series and in the last couple of weeks in, in preparation for this show, I read the novel that came out right after revenge of the sith called dark lord of the sith it's it's a famous uh, legends novel now i'm um, not hard to come by and i wanted to read that to see what what they're gonna be pulling from because for the last couple months i've been kind of going into cynical mode when it comes to this series being like what's much like rogue one the entire plot of rogue one is one sentence from the crawl i'm like what sort of things that seem vague 
or peculiar in Star Wars between Obi-Wan and Vader and, Reven- uh, and A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi can be extrapolated into the show to be <laughs> two hours of entertainment at six hours. And there's a moment very en- at the very end of Dark Lord of the Sith where I- I'm not sure. Did you ever read that novel, Chris? I imagine you did at some point. I have not, actually. Oh, really? Okay. So this is not much of a spoiler. You could surmise this. The final chapter of that novel is Obi-Wan in a cantina on Tatooine, and he finds out that Anakin, well, Darth Vader survived. And it's basically, I think it's like 10 to 12 pages of Obi-Wan having this internal conflict about, oh, God, what what have I done? What what have I done? Look, it's the the Vader line from Jedi of now Obi-Wan's failure is complete. It's the thing of Obi-Wan realizing just, oh God, like I, I doomed the galaxy. And it's 12 pages and it's very potent because it's 12 pages. And when you say what am I what would I like to get out of it? In in, in an emotional sense, I like the idea of of the Obi-Wan we see at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith is not the, the, the is like sort of personality wise not the Obi Wan we get in A New Hope and it's like show me like what happened like because I feel like uh, right after Revenge of the Sith there should be he he should still have some sort of more like active agenda and something should happen where he just drops that because it's either not safe or not he he just loses that momentum and I think that would have it makes sense that that's sort of I know this series is chronologically sort of right in the middle of the two movies, but I feel like that's what we're going to get. But I feel like it would have made more sense if it happened closer to episode three chronologically. But then the, the, then the literal, the literal uh, side of me kicks in and I think back on Alec Guinness's performance and there's a real lack of urgency um, sort of with his interactions with Luke that, it's sort of you didn't have the full story back then. Even Lucas didn't have the full story back then. So, on some level, when Obi Wan's talking about uh, going to Alderaan, he's not. It's not life or death whether or not Luke comes along. You know what I mean? Like it's not when you when you see this interaction with Owen and and Kenobi in the trailer, and he's like, and when he gets the right age, he must be trained. It's it's like when you see Alec Guinness, it's like, well, I'm gonna go to Alderaan with or without you but you should probably come. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know if it's going to sync up that well. Well, yes, because I agree with you. Like, no, this would, this series would make a lot more sense if it was, I'd say the first three years of his exile, Um, not a decade, but obviously that being done because just of the the age that you and McDonald is in real life. I think they want to, they want to lean into that. You imagine if it was like three years after, but he's aged 20 years, but like, it's Tatooine, so let's go with it. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, I I know what you're saying, but like even how you're describing it, I can rationalize it because I think this is kind of the the brilliance of Star Wars is that like you can fill in all the corners, but that ruins the fun of it. Like as you were describing that, I could very easily say that, like Obi Wan at this point in his life has done what when Alan Guinness was was filming this had no idea of any sort of the. Uh, Oh geez, what would you even call it? Uh, lore momentum behind it, inertia. But 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 on some level, it's there. On some level, he knew Anakin, 
and they were you, you know they were uh, they were good friends he they had some battles together in the clone wars like th- that much is in in the script well yeah and i think the, again this is the brilliance of when lucas was writing that dialogue or if it was any one of his buddies like de palma or whatever it was a notion of it was kept vague, not with the intention of a spinoff, but because it was kind of like, well, we kind of don't know what any of this is. So, like, wouldn't it be fun to kind of leave this giant, like, like again, like Winchester Mansion almost? Let's build this door here and just see what happens. Like, in the sense of, like, let's just build a door here. Doesn't matter that there's nothing behind it. There could be. It could be a brick wall. It, it, it doesn't matter because it's meant to kind of just be this idea of anything is possible. It's, it's the sandbox philosophy. And I, and I think, but, but just real quick, getting back to uh, like, again, like what we want from this. So th- this recap real quick, the dark Lord of the Sith novel. Um, it's basically half the book is from Vader's perspective and him and his, all his frustrations about the suit and what Palpatine has done to him and all that. And the other half is from basically one Jedi that we never knew to the novel. And the whole thing with this Jedi is that he's somebody who's very disillusioned with the Jedi order, um, like loyal to it, but just kind of like, what do you want to call it? Uh, like somebody who lost his faith as in like, he's doing it though, but like he lost two Padawans during the Clone Wars. Um, kind of like, like, what does this mean anymore? And over the course of the novel, like at some point, like about three quarters of the way through, he sits there, abandons the other surviving Jedi to go do his own thing. And then during the third act, he shows up to save the day and confront Vader. And he finds his inner peace. He finds that deeper spirituality, which is the true core of the Jedi Order. Um, And again, it's potent because there is a sacrifice at the end of the book by this character. And it makes sense because this character comes to realize that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. And basically it's one of those things of, uh, again, look what you've become. It's like, like I might be dying now, but it's the, uh, it's better to die a hero than live long, live, eh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And it's really potent. And this is where the leaks come in where I'm reading the leaks and the leaks just like nothing happens in this series. Um, it pretty much like, and I get it. Like they obviously can't step on a new hope's toes at all, but nothing happens. Like there's there, it, it, like, I think I, I was looking at the subreddit this morning for this and everybody's losing their minds over it, proclaiming it the next best thing since rogue one, even though they haven't seen it, which always tickles me when we proclaim something is the next greatest thing. And we have, and we haven't even consumed it, even a fraction of it. Um, I, I think people are going to be outside of the scene 38 reimagined moments, I think people are going to be severely disappointed by this. Like not last Jedi where quote unquote ruined my childhood. Um, but it looks like something derivative of the book of Boba Fett where it's like, Oh yeah. Like Boba Fett. Like, think about it. We had our tease for a whole year. Like Boba Fett shoots fat bib bib Fortuna, which is kind of great. Like now it kind of doesn't mean much, but the idea of Boba Fett walking into Jabba's palace and it's a fat bit Fortuna just doing like kind of like the gangster thing of, uh, Oh no, Boba, I didn't know you. Oh, we were trying to look for you. And he gets shot and just like his fat corpse gets knocked off the side as Boba sits on the throne. Like that's, that's a cute visual. That's like, you put that on a poster, you put that on a poster in a movie lobby, any star Wars fan will sit there, slap their, their $20 down, say sold. Um, then we watch it and it's just him sitting in a bathtub for like two hours. And it's like, uh, like learning from the Tuscan Raiders. And it's like, oh, oh, oh God. Like, like not that it's bad. 
Um, it's just underwhelming. And that's the thing. Like, is, is anybody doing the Book of Boba Fett reduxes? Like, is anybody going back? Is anybody, like, chomping at the bit to rewatch that series? I may never watch it again. Um, I, I just, I, I think, I, the reason I think this is going to feel different, whether or not anything substantive happens, is just because there's, I feel like you, with, as much as, as much as people are loath to admit it, like, Boba Fett was never much of a character, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not incredibly harmful to have him sit in a bathtub for two and a half hours because it's just like he's not he he was didn't have much to offer to begin with. So if so, it's either like you're gonna either have the the phenomenon of like when you see Vader in Rogue One, there's he doesn't really do anything or contribute to the story. He's just it's it's just the the they hand they handled him very sparingly. And I mean, it works. It's I don't feel like like it, nothing. Like I know some people, the director Krennic scene really bothers them. I, I I never felt that way watching it. So I think that as long as they keep it tasteful and don't have, I mean, he's going to be in a bathtub, but it's going to be a vertical bathtub at least. But um, but as long as they sort of keep it like relatively tasteful and like I know not much can happen. And like I was saying before, like if a whole ton of emphasis gets put on him watching luke like well above and beyond like the level of importance it's given in episode three it will make watching a new hope after this seem even more confusing because that momentum of stewardship over luke is pretty much gone by that point like he's he's you know well that's the thing about this show is that like i i am i i in the article they make the like in the Vanity Fair article to kind of like pinball back to that for a second, there is the big there's like what, at least two paragraphs they're devoted to the idea of like, oh, should we put Vader in the show? Should we not? And it's like, how's this gonna affect like Star Wars lore? And they're like, Well, we had to put Vader in. And and I I from their perspective, from their point of view, I agree with that. Um, if you're going to do an Obi-Wan show and you've already killed off Darth Maul, um, there's really only one other villain to go with. And I get putting Vader in there because there's a lot of stuff, like I said, from the original trilogy that you can mine. Um, like, Chris, like I think you're going to eat this up, but we all know there's going to be a moment in this show, like, you can put it in the bank, where how Obi-Wan evades Vader's striking blow, kill shot, whatever you want to call it, is because he's going to fake Vader out by disappearing. And it's going to explain as to why Vader steps on the cape on the Death Star. There's going to be a moment in this, I can guarantee you right now, where Obi-Wan's going to escape and the thing's going to be, oh, if only Vader had stepped on the cape, then he would have known that Obi-Wan was alive. There's going to be that moment. It's going to be in the movie and it's going to be there to completely recontextualize that moment from A New Hope. Um, there's another moment in Return of the Jedi when uh, Vader and Luke are on Endor after Luke surrenders himself. And Vader turns around to Luke after Luke says, come back to the light. And Vader goes, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. Uh, and it's like, well, there you go. There's going to be a moment. Um, and it's going to be, uh, and weirdly, again, Chris, you obviously played the Revenge of the Sith a video game in 2005. Absolutely. I advise everybody to go look at some of the cutscenes from that game. Um, not the actual footage of the movie that was interspliced into the cutscenes, scenes. Um, but 
there is some really concerning obviously video games go into development pretty much the same time that like pre-production's happening um there is some really interesting like dialogue exchanges between vader and obi-wan in in the game when they're like obviously video game characters um which makes me think that lucasfilm might have looked at that as well um i'll try to insert the clip if i can find it anakin please come back to the light face up to what you've done i can help you it's too late for that you're too late you only want to help yourself you know that's not true i only wanted what was best for you anakin I wasn't prepared to train someone like you! That's your failing, not mine. Perhaps I did fail you, but I won't abandon you to the dark side. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Like, we get a little bit of it in Revenge of Sith where it's like, I failed you, Anakin, I failed you. And it's very concise, but it's really kind of expanded upon. And I'm like, there you go. There's your end. You're going to be seeing this. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of just explaining where things came from. I think everything, I think they realize that Star Wars needs a rebound shot. Not everything can be a Skywalker in a hallway mowing down enemies. And I think this is going to be their angle. There was another uh, uh, Lucasfilm uh, piece of entertainment that was a uh, recasted character doing a whole lot of explaining where things came from in a new hope and it was called solo and <laughs> it's just like you know it's just it's just weird to hear you phrase it that way because like it was literally solo was like a checklist of like everything han solo has in a new hope here's how he got it and it's just it's weird to sort of imagine them going through um kenobi and handling it the same way whereas their core idea should really be some sort of meaningful narrative arc but i think we've laid it out though they don't blame that sort of uh checklist filmmaking as to why solo bombed they blame alden ehrenreich for why solo bombed like that's the thing they're not they're not looking at this in any sort of objective matter like when solo bombed do you really think they sat around the boardroom and said why do you think this didn't connect they didn't do that they automatically found the easiest thing it was Harrison, Alden Ehrenreich does not equal Harrison Ford. And I said, there you go. And think about what, what career has Alden Ehrenreich had? Like, I was afraid before that movie came out that the fandom was going to make him into Hayden Christensen, like, 2.0. And the fandom didn't even go after him. Like, even the, like, the, the, the hate mongers on YouTube, they didn't even go. I think about it. We Solo was at a point in Star Wars fandom where even the hate mob kind of shrugged at Alden Ehrenreich. I think that that movie had like too many other targets like the director switch and like just there's just there was just too much too many distractions i mean uh, and you know obviously the real problem with it is you know just you can watch it and you are you you finish watching it and you still feel absolutely nothing about it and that's the real problem with it but uh it's not uh, you know it's it, for me it's not the release date it's not the casting it's just that it's substance is non-existent in terms of like anything interesting or important happening to like i you know but uh and and i feel like what you're describing is i'm gonna get a similar experience with obi-wan i hope not i hope the core story is something interesting well no like the thing that's the saving grace to this and which it will elevate itself beyond solo book of boba fett is that you have the ewan mcdonald element like he like his presence 
elevates all of this. Even if it's kind of like, even if it ends up being crap, him being in it to give it like a plus five. It, it's a curve. It's going to be graded on, even if it's unintentional. And that's, and that's what it is. Like, don't be wrong. Like, people are going to get their, again, talk about learning the worst lessons from Disney era Star Wars. Like, look at it. Like, think of, Chris, if you had named the top three most ubiquitous, like, fan favorite things from Disney era Star Wars, what would it be? It's it's Vader Rogue One hallway, it, it, Luke Skywalker hallway Mandalorian, and what would even be the third at this point? Two or three other things from the Mandalorian. I don't know. <laughs> Probably like I, I, again, like I would again. It's the idea of what the Razor Crest, just just the ship itself, and maybe Chewie were home from the Force Awakens. Maybe the maybe maybe the the duel with the Praetorian guards for if you know for another bunch of people who completely are missing the point. Well, yeah, like, like I said, I I don't even think that's I think that's if you're really like I don't even think that's ubiquitous. I think a lot of people will just throw that movie out entirely. Um, I I don't even think anybody looks. I think the the people who hate that movie refuse to look at it. Their hate has blinded them. Um, but that's the thing though is that I. It's that notion of, I think Lucasfilm again, it's just, it's what Lucas did with the Attack of the Clones. Like, weirdly enough, like, I probably, we were supposed to do a 20th anniversary episode for Attack of the Clones. It might not debut on the Knights of Vader feed. It'd probably be on the Cinematis feed. But the thing is that, like, and Chris, you can definitely remember this, is that, like, when Attack of the Clones came out, it was Lucas leaning into a lot of the criticisms. Yeah, it's like Jar Jar is like the original, like, uh, <laughs> like the original version of sort of doubling down like you know he did he cut back on his presence in the movie i'm not sure i believe that voting the supreme chancellor emergency powers by jar was jar jar until jar jar had a negative reaction from people <laughs> do you like you know what i mean like do you yeah. like i think that would have played out differently it, 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 it's too perfect i don't know like lucas <laughs> that's why it feels a little it feels coordinated um i that that is very much its own uh bag of worms chris um but oh god oh god <laughs> dello felicates yeah. <laughs> i mean it's literally like it's literally like from the mind of a troll you know what i mean like it's it's just like what if jar jar was the cause of the whole empire um and whereas whereas and i mean and but whereas now when people when the audience hates a character they have a scene where uh leia says i gotta go over here for the whole movie so i'll be seeing you later <laughs> <laughs> so so you know it's it and uh and one is remembered more fondly than the other although i I'll, although i have been you know because of the 20th anniversary a lot of this sort of fan media has been producing attack of the clones content and uh, you know i it's still like it is still probably the most pol- polarizing of the prequels uh um, oh, and i'm definitely. noticing that not and it's certainly not everyone who's come around on it no like, like it's definitely in a better spot than it was what 10 10 years ago it, it definitely has improved the fact that we're getting merchandise uh with it clearly means that we're getting a lot more more episode two merchandise than we are for kenobi that's for sure 
I, I guess Lucasfilm can plan that. I guess they have a calendar somewhere in uh, Rhode Island, so they're able to coordinate like, those sort of things. Do you see? Well, not even that. Like, do you see Hot Toys has like a, like yeah. five figures coming out for Attack of the Clones twentieth anniversary, and one is uh, it's like the Episode Two version of R two and three PO, mm-hmm. and there's also a battle droid, and the three PO comes with also the battle droid head, and the battle droid also comes with the three PO head. <laughs> And the R2 comes with the 3PO head so he can drag it along behind him. It's crazy. Oh, no, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, but it's like the funny... Th- I mean, it's that's so episode two to be like, you know the scene that most people hate from this movie? Like, that's where we're going to make like three $300 figures for. This is such a drag, Chris. This is such yeah, a drag. It's just something amazing about that. Well, again, but I think that's the thing that like it's weird that like you have all these people um, opining about the current state of Star Wars and yet, like, is there anything, any mainstream Star Wars project that ten, that 15 years after it debuts is hated to its core? Is there any mainstream Star Wars project that 15 years after it's debuted is despised? Chris is thinking for the audience at home. Yeah, um, y- y- like, I, nothing's coming to mind that it's, like, what is remembered as being a complete disaster? <laughs> that's 15 years old. I can't think of anything. And I think that's the thing about Star Wars, and just not Star Wars, just media in general. Um, Time heals all wounds. But, like, I can still remember back in, like, 2014 listening to some, like, I don't want to call it prestige, but, like, a like movie podcast with two, like, professional film critics that were well-respected. One of them was very well-respected during film Twitter at the heights of it. And they did an episode where they were, uh, I don't want to say comparing and contrasting. It was just kind of, like, deciding the merits in a very analytical, scholarly manner of A New Hope for Empire and which one was the better film. And, like, it was before The Force Awakens came out. And they were talking about the prequels and keep on, this is like 2014. So you're nine years from revenge of the Sith and about 15 years away or 15 years removed from the Phantom Menace. And the big thing was this person who was very, very snobby about the prequels said, strangely enough, the Phantom Menace is the best one of the three. And this is the thing where I'm like 15 years later, the Phantom Menace that like, I don't again. You remember in two thousand five, Revenge of the Sith was always the definitive prequel film. Even if you did not like the prequels, it was always Episode one and two are bad, but Episode three is okay. And we were getting to a point fifteen years later where the Phantom Menace was like, yeah, it's solid. And then now twenty years later, to Attack of the Clones, it's yeah, these are all kind of good, if not great, films in their own right. And and it makes you wonder that like. Where are we going to be in 2030 in like 2035 when think about the, the generation that grew up with the sequel trilogy has their buying power. Like the only reason why we're getting not a thousand dollars in hot toys figures for attack of the clones is that the kids that were six to 18 during that time frame now have the money to buy that stuff. I'm not, I'm not convinced it's, um, I'm not convinced it's that formulaic, to be honest. Not, not that where whatever was the thing when you were a kid, you just end up liking it when you're an adult and putting money into it. For example, what look at something that look at something that's made by this machine that is 15 years old or, or thereabouts. Like, like you know, I saw the the first Iron Man movie in theaters, 
I don't know if I remember anything from it. It didn't definitely didn't change my life. <laughs> you know, that's probably almost 15 years old. I have no idea. Well, no, this is the thing though. I, I think there's a difference. Uh, I'm not saying it's formulaic. I'm not saying because you uh, watched something in 2008, thus in uh, 2023, you're going to be like, take my wallet. I'm not saying that. I think is that a lot of the stuff that like the people who enjoyed it and will have that grassroots nostalgia for it don't have the buying power to devote dollars to it. Like Chris, like if someone would have told you in 2007 that they would be making in the ballpark of what? $4,000 of attack of the clones, premium figures, you would have been laughed at. You would have been laughed at. And I think the thing is, is that the people who like, again, Chris being Chris and I being from two different generations of star Wars fans, like, well, anytime again, the fact that they made any attack of the clones merchandise is coming out now. It's kind of great. The fact that they're like think about it, the entire theme of this celebration is twenty years later, Attack of the Clones appreciation. Um, I I cannot fathom that happening in cel- if there was a celebration in twenty twelve. Um, that that would never have happened, pre- regardless of Disney's involvement. Luke Lucas would never have done that. I think what happens is that I think just over time people start to appreciate things more. And that's why I, to this day, I will guarantee everybody that like the last Jedi will be seen as the best of the sequel trilogy, which it's already starting to happen. You look at like red letter media, a lot of these like hate monger channels for star Wars. And even their rhetoric went from, this is trash to, we didn't like it, but at least it tried. And that is a huge leap from where we were just what, four years ago. Yeah. Well, um, I, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced that the I'm not convinced that the sequel trilogy ha- will have a lasting cultural impact of any kind. I think it's much more comparable to like the MCU movies where it's like just grind them out. Uh, I don't. We, you I, know. don't I, I think it. I still think Star Wars is special in the way. Think about it. regardless of how we look at Disney making things, Marvel has always been a machine. At least with the sequel trilogy, Disney waited two years between each one of these. I do think. There again, I can't speak for Mandalorian. I can't speak for any of that. Um, even Rise of Skywalker. I think the Rise of Skywalker is kind of doomed to be to share cell with Attack of the Clones and that being the most peculiar Disney film or Star Wars film ever made. Um, just because it like it just does whatever it wants for better or for worse. Um I, I again I think it will get there. I think Chris, I think you're looking at this as like we are so it's like it's like working at the hot dog factory and being like, no one's ever going to like this. It includes everything from pork, beef, chicken, rat tail, rubber boot heel. No one's ever going to like this. And then you juxtapose that to the person who's sitting there having a time of their life during a 4th of July barbecue and sees a package of Hebrew nationals and for the rest of their life will always associate that with that memory. No, you're, I like I understand what you're saying. It's just that those people like eating the hot dog having the time of their life existed for the uh the the prequels and the original trilogy and um they're the reason why darth vader is an icon it's not he's not an icon for the amazing character arc he's an icon for 
the the design and the and I am your father being quoted a million times. The hot dog munchers are the reason he's an icon. It's not because of the good movies. You know what I mean? Like I, I and 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 uh, you know I don't think the there's I don't think the glue is is there for the back to the the meat grinder references. I don't think there's enough horse hooves in the sequel trilogy to keep it together in the long term. But uh, but you know that remains to be seen. I guess. Um, but. I, I I think there's something fun about the idea of of Lucasfilm sort of partnering with a lot of these licensees to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones because like it especially when it comes to like Star Wars celebration th- this 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 upcoming one in Anaheim was supposed to happen in 2020 which would have been the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back so instead we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of attack of the clones it's 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 just an interesting contrast because it it was theoretically supposed to be the same event and it was just delayed that long and it, it makes you wonder um sort of like how much of this emphasis on attack of the clones would have happened if that uh, i guess they probably would have had an event this year anyways yeah. so it doesn't make a whole lot of difference in the end but the way hasbro sort of jumped on the empire strikes back uh, anniversary it was a lot of repacks, but they had like, I don't know, like 10 or 12, like big carded black series figures with the like 40th anniversary logo on them. They put out like a giant black series snow speeder and all that. And the stuff they're doing now is like they're playing catch up on like Mandalorian season two figures and stuff. So it's just it's just weird how I guess the repack stuff you can throw together quicker, but they're not doing as much for Attack of the Clones as as they were. Like Okay. Okay, because you you brought up the H word has Hasbro. I have to ask, like, would you if if I would have told you in the fall of 2019 that in two and forget about the current state of the world, would you believe that there'd be a faster fulfillment time on Hot Toys figures of new characters than Hasbro? No, and I don't think it has to do with, um, I don't think it has to do with, uh, like the time it takes to produce the figures or Lucasfilm like sharing character designs. I think it's literally something like, it's something more to do with paranoia about spoilers. I I think it has more to do with that. For I think Lucasfilm with Star Wars is just for whatever reason, they've been incredibly pearl clutchy about that, like since the JJ Abrams era. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe the sort of tone he set with the, the force awakens might have something to do with that. I don't know if it's, it seems to have gotten worse than it even was then over time. And I like, you know, because like I've, you know, I've heard interviews with people who, you know, they were doing their digital sculpts of Mandalorian characters, 18 months before we saw the show so it's not that they couldn't have had everything out in time it's just that they wanted to be incredibly safe with it and i don't know how there's not a greater concern that they're not going to capitalize on sales while the property is relevant because you know what's certainly not relevant anymore the book of boba fett you know when i would have bought stuff about that show before it came out that's when i would have bought stuff about that show and now i don't want any so i don't you know they missed out on hundreds of dollars of my money that they could have had if they put out awesome stuff before the show well here's okay here's the question though Okay, and this is a question I think I've wanted to ask you for a while, but we've never been able to get to it directly. 
what is your opinion on the fact that like Hasbro is going to no more uh, bubble window packaging? Like, like what's going to happen to the vintage collection? Like, like what, like what, how are, like, I would imagine that like people will still buy it. Um, but like, like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't buy Hasbro stuff anymore. Like I have, it's funny. Well, a friend of the show, um, he's in the Knights of Air Facebook group. His name's Coleman. Um, he is my like Star Wars. He's my equivalent. Like if I am Boba Fett, he is my Din Djarin. Him and I occasionally run in, like to each other in the wild. And we just kind of like, oh God, talk shop about Star Wars collecting. And a couple, like a, maybe a month ago, him and I ran into each other and him and I are like, he's like, so what are you looking for? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, like what Hasbro thing are you looking for? And I'm like, nothing. There is nothing that I am looking for right now. Um, and, and there's a really quick anecdote was uh, the book of Boba Fett uh, Black Series (laughs) deluxe in quotation marks figure. Um, Coleman living near me found one in his, like at the Walmart where we kind of live by. And he's like, I got lucky. I found one like on the bicycle rack, like end cap. And And while I was reading his like comment in the Facebook group, I was literally a minute's drive from the Walmart where I work, which is right across the river from where I, from where this was happening. So I go there, I have the UPC like barcode and I ask them to scan it. And I'm, they're like, yeah, it says we have six of them. And I'm like, okay, like that's legit a whole case. I'm like, where is it? They're like, well, the shelf tags there. And I'm like, yeah, but it's empty. And they're like, well, it says it's on the sales floor. And I'm like, so wait, it's not in the back. No, it says it's on the sales floor okay and they're like yeah i'm like but you have six of them where are they then Mm. i'm like but it's a box i'm like and then like they're like i'm like well what do i do like oh come back tomorrow probably will be packed out overnight okay come back the following morning they still had six it was on the sales floor i don't know how it could be packed out if it wasn't like if it wasn't so like they had no idea where it was so essentially, an employee hid the whole case and hadn't yes. even had the yes. courtesy of checking out with it between the days you visited. Yes. It was still somewhere in the yes. store that they had hidden it, basically. Yeah. Wow. And the thing, and the thing about though is that, like, and I get it. Like, it's been. I remember this even back from my rebel scum days of like people complaining to Hasbro about how horrible Walmart is and Walmart just being the behemoth retailer that nobody picks a fight with. Um, but it's just that, like. Like I, I'm done. Like, and I've said this before. I told Coleman this. I'm like, instead of dropping, especially now that like all the price, all the figures now are roughly like give or take thirty dollars US. Um, like I'd rather take that money instead of buying like five to ten figures a year, just buy one Hot Toys figure that I know will not have any blemishes, any like issues with it. No, like opening up the package and having like a bent lightsaber or the paint apps are wrong on the face. Um, like it's like, I'm done. I'm like, they're like, it's like occasionally maybe something might catch my eye and be like, Oh, this is kind of neat. Um, but even the other day I found the, uh, this morning I found the droids Boba Fett three and three quarters figure. And I just said, like, I looked at it and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Oh man. Well, I have the third, we went through this. I have the 30th anniversary collection figure. So like, I right. have, I've this scratched is better that, than itch. that This is better than that. And also I thought you had already ordered the droids one anyway. I did, but I canceled the order because, like, I was just kind of like, I, I, at this point, I don't even know. If this, like, it might come in a bubble mailer, and I don't want to have to go to the store and return it, and just in fight with them dude, over getting a replacement. Dude, that one, like that one, like as, like I kind of agree with your general sentiments that, like, 
I'm over a lot of it. I, I'm not buying the Black Series anymore, but that Droids Boba Fett is awesome. And like, I would have one even in a bubble mailer from Amazon wrecked because it's awesome loose. But um, it's just it's just like it's better than that 30th anniversary one. Yeah, but just saying, it doesn't come with the fork gun. But anyway, I, no, I kind of I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I, I, I've been I've been getting a few of the vintage collection stuff. I'm definitely not complete on it because, first of all, a lot of it's like reissues of like old stuff. I, I think I went to this um this this real big toy show called ICCC Con in Nashville. Uh, that was like around the start of the month and there was a there was a booth there that had like all the all the new vintage collection stuff like like all like uh like the the animated clone wars wave just like you know they had probably 10 of each out on pegs at like a two dollar markup so i got a few things like i got the um the reissue of the ahsoka that goes for like three hundred dollars <laughs> like that looks better than the the expensive version because it has like the face printing tech on it rather than what whatever um crayons they used to like do the faces back in the day like terribly and i mean you contrast them and it's night and day so it's you know i get the odd one that that uh looks cool and i I like the for that ahsoka for example like it's it's cool that they're reissuing the same card art because like just the card art on that ahsoka figure is certainly not something they would do today it's like it's just very it's like they were doing these sort of weird photorealistic like cg paintings of the animated characters for those card backs and like the ahsoka one just really stands out because it's just like it does not look like her in any incarnation (laughs) but it's just like its own thing so it's it yeah so like some of that stuff is cool to me um but i'm you know the black series i'm sort of over it well some of it, it it's so kind of hit or miss right now because like for every oh god like book of boba fett deluxe boba fett figure um, in the Black Series, you do get, like, an anomaly. And a lot of it's them reissuing stuff they did 10 years ago that were all kind of, like, the last of wave syndrome, whether it be Shea Vizsla, uh, the Old Republic Trooper, um, which I was able, I think Chris will love this, um, my infamous, infamous story in, like, 2011 or 12, when that figure was, or maybe even 13, when that figure was released is, again, last of wave syndrome, and it was like retailing for like eleven ninety nine. I went, I just pay five dollars for these figures. I'm not paying eleven like ninety nine. Uh, as soon as those went up live on shopdisney.com, I literally bought six of them for like thirteen dollars a piece. I'm just like, I am not missing out. Considering that's one of my favorite like designs of Star Wars, I'm just like, nope. I I am building myself a little squad. I'm like, I don't care. Um, it's gonna break my heart when I tear open the plastic. I might keep one the packaging that maybe in 10 years I consider recoup by investment on the spending roughly a hundred dollars on these. But it's like, like that's the sort of stuff. Like it's so rare to find anything that gets you excited anymore. Like it's so much frustration. What's what's, and I mean, what's awesome about that Shea Vizsla is like, I think the head is re-sculpted. It just generally looks better. Um, I think if the promo in- images they released end up, being accurate it has the expanded universe name on the card rather than just saying the video game which they've been doing lately like there's some new clone trooper repaints that actually say battlefront 2 on the card rather than like star wars and like a little gaming greats thing so like they've been adding a lot more new titles to the little window on the vintage collection card so it's just interesting to see the expanded universe name being used even though it's a reissue of old packaging it's like that's not a term they use anymore 
like it would be legends so you'd, you'd think it would just say something like that or they would redesign it so i i, I think it's cool that they're, it's lazy on one level but it's also i like seeing it coming out the way it was oh okay to kind of segue into just another uh conversation at one point do they stop using the legends moniker and just kind of treat the expanded universe as it was 10 years ago like think about it. 10 years ago the expand you had canon and you had the expanded universe which was part of the story but it could be overwritten anytime it needed to be and how long till they just go back to that where it's just kind of like the expanded universe is there like if you want like it's not part of continuity but like it's there to kind of fill in the gaps if you want to sit there have it like i feel like we're gonna like not they're never gonna announce it like they did back in like what was it 2013 where they very clearly started just throwing books into the incinerator in the basement there in lucasfilm but like i feel like it's just gonna be like especially now that they're re-releasing a lot of these books and how these books are being kind of even offered like they're not just simply like oh god digital books on amazon like these are books you can find at like barnes and noble and target a place that normies travel heavily and nobody's losing their mind seeing a uh, three book collection of the original Thrawn trilogy with uh, like a disfigured Luke fighting a, a redheaded woman with a green lightsaber. Like nobody has like had like an aneurysm yet. So like, hey, so it's not. I, I think it's coming up soon because you know it's we've sort of had ten years of canon novels now, and you're gonna get to the point where the the importance of preserving the narrative integrity of a novel that was ho-hum 10 years ago that wasn't one of the ones people really glommed onto is going to be superseded by a new author who wants to do something around that time period but change it up because it's going to be for you know it once a forgettable canon novel from 10 years ago it, that's already totally forgotten there i don't think they're gonna prioritize maintaining that over like a certain Jedi master's lightsaber that was incinerated on Coruscant. But that was, a, I think that was a more recent comic, but anyways, they should have been talking to each other. It, it's the idea that like Lucas, again, it's going to be like what Lucas did. Like, this is great. That person in whoever it was, 2015, 2016 had their moment. They got paid. They got to do what they wanted. Now we're going to let somebody else do what they want right but i think but you know but like let's face it uh re re uh reissues of heir to the empire are making more money than whatever whatever the heck ancillary force awakens novels there were thrawn ascendancy or not even that like whatever resistance reborn the prequel novel to the rise of skywalker i that could be not real and i wouldn't know The best thing about that novel is that, like, it's meant to be the prequel novel to The Rise of Skywalker and, like, nothing ties in. Like, like apparently General Raikin is still alive, even though, like, he's, what, 65 when Leia's, like, 20? <laughs> and yet, somehow, by the events post-Last Jedi, he is still alive. Well, in, uh, I don't know, in, in, in Legends, like, all humans live to, like, over 100. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like, Bo- Boba Fett, like, became Mandalore at, like, in his late 70s or something i don't know it's just i don't know like how old was general raikin during the battle of hoth does he have tatooine syndrome or 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 is he actually that old well isn't there a thing where like um like the 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 original trilogy actors in the force awakens are like uh canonically like seven years younger than they are in real life 
if you like compare the the I, i'm pretty sure like the the episode seven doesn't take place one-to-one years after return of the jedi to the real world you know what i mean i think it's supposed to be like a bit earlier than that so well, I would, okay well okay this this goes back to again speaking of things that don't matter in canon anymore it's the notion yeah. that like kylo ben solo is born a year after the battle of endor and so he's 29 by the events of the force awakens and then like what poe dameron was born during the battle of endor like right after like literally the moment like it ends and he's 30 during the force like that that was my understanding of it all like it's supposed to be a hard 30 years post return of the jedi that that's my understanding not saying that's right that was my understanding based on the other nerds on the internet right um yeah so that yeah yeah so that makes yeah that that makes sense so it'd be a, so it's a little you off have, you have to answer the question how old is general raikin supposed to be during the battle of hoth my like, my point was my point was that uh he he he's he not possibly, as old as he looks okay so he's he again he has uh uncle owen amberu syndrome where he yeah, is he, could, he is 34 yeah. years old he just aged horrible. right because sequel trilogy harrison ford is physically older than his character is okay. that's my point okay, all right <laughs> so fair it doesn't so you know they and also uh, bo-katan end of conversation <laughs> is bo-katan like one of those things that's just like she's uh, that, that is that might it, be it, the it, ultimate canon breaking thing right yeah, uh, you know, maybe she maybe she uh, spent some time on the on the gene farms that Quill talks about. Maybe she's had some work done. Who knows? Uh, okay, real quick, this again, like this is just fun to like probe Chris's opinion because as much as I do this with Zanger, Joe, whatever, it's the idea that it becomes kind of farcical after a while, and this goes back. And we were going to save this for the uh, we will get to it part two of the duel, the duels in the okay. Is somebody who still had Chris is Chris, you will experience Galaxy's Edge during this trip. Uh th- theoretically, I okay. could have probably done more planning than I have. Cause okay. like like so just to, uh, like and I'll let you continue a second. Honestly, so like basically I'm uh doing some work for the collecting track at Celebration, which is like the stage that has all the panels about the collectibles. So I'm going to be there most of the time. So I haven't, there's been a lot of like planning to do with that and uh, sort of ancillary uh, work I had to like organize. So I haven't really planned out how my week's going to go other than that. So we'll see what happens, but I'm going to try to get there. Okay. So this is my question to you. And then we've kind of mentioned this here and there and that like the galaxy's edge takes place between episodes eight and nine, correct? that uh that was that was in the original brochure that i read yes <laughs> all right and as we all know it's it's a canning like, like both rise more rise of the resistance is the canon breaking attraction because it features ray in her last jedi outfit and it features kylo ren with the helmet unsmashed and not including the the red super glue that's on it which, which we all right. is, is both very huge fans of the Last Jedi here, Hardy Har Har. Um, that is in Star Wars continuity impossible for her Ray to be in the Last Jedi like throne room costume, and for Kylo Ren's helmet to be unsmashed. Correct. Well, I mean, I <laughs> that's one of those things where it's like, like 
the 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 real reason of course is that they were working on a very different episode nine at the time that may or may not have been relevant to the smash talent but what there's a lot of weird stuff it's like they can't they can't they can't go in i think part of it's because they have an animatronic kylo ren and they have to have a helmet for that probably or it just wouldn't be i've been maybe the robot adam driver looked way weirder than the other robots so they're like listen i know the helmet's not supposed to be there we could we can't put in a super glue helmet because it shows them make that in episode nine so like they were stuck between a rock and a hard place and they just had to assume okay, that that's he has fine. That's a closet fine. of helmets that's fine i have no problem with that i get real world complications oh god schedules timetables like i can see that we're human at the end of the day this is the thing that i love about continuity in star wars and how like it kind of doesn't matter my favorite star wars thing of all time the galactic star cruiser Currently available for the low, low price of uh, $6,000 for a, uh, seven, oh God, a, oh God, what would it be, 40 or 50 hour adventure. Um, During the little, like, uh, what would you call it, Medieval Times performance they put on in the lobby. It's, again, Kylo Ren without the super glue marks in the helmet. It's, it's the Kylo Ren of The Force Awakens, and it's Last Jedi Rey throne room costume from the latter half of the film. And it was, they, during the press previews for that thing, they interviewed like Lucasfilm story group people and the story group said, and it's on the record, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the tweet like framed and like hung up in my room somewhere. It says, this interaction is canon. And I'm like, I look at that and I'm just like, why not just say no comment? <laughs> like, it, like, like, why not just say the halcyon star cruiser has seen many battles like from a certain it's, point just say from a certain point of view it's built into star wars lore yeah so it's like if you say something like like rude to like galaxy's edge chewbacca is that canon you know what i mean like can we settle down about this a little bit like yeah yeah, yeah i don't know that it, that's um it's that's you know that thing's weird i'm I like like we've covered before like galaxy's edge does interest me like the star cruiser experience does not it, it's a, it's a miss by like epic proportions in every way shape and form but uh um you know i'll i'll try and i'll try and get out to galaxy's edge but yeah, as far as canon breaking things that um it's a pretty short list i think at the moment but like like we were talking about earlier that's it's getting bigger it's getting bigger yeah it's gonna get bigger but um uh, I I just think it's gonna it's like I said it's gonna come down to the fact that they're gonna attach, um they're gonna attach talent to properties that aren't gonna be interested in respecting all those, uh comics and, like you know Yoda's lightsaber is a small issue, you have Taika Waititi doing the next theatrically released movie when however many years from now it comes out, uh you hire somebody like that they're gonna take the story. They're, they're going to have some idea of where they want to take the story. That's not going to be reliant upon like 10 years of ancillary material. So I think, you know, that's around the timeline where it's really going to go out the window, I think. Or they could do the thing where they give somebody their own little like, it's going to be okay to bring this back to Vanity Fair. Um, is this going to be like the Acolyte where they're going to very much do it and like, carve out their own little time frame that is more or less untouched? Like, think about it. It's not hard to break canon. That, that's a good. That's what they should do. 
That's what that's absolutely what they should do. But I think for I think for like guys like Taika Waititi, like the urge to like use legacy characters is irresistible. I I don't believe that. <laughs> like I don't know. Like there's something sort of like they they I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think that's an that that choice is like an edict from Lucasfilm. That's like they, it would it would be they would have to be it like it'd be a creative integrity thing to do like because i promise you you can make compelling stories without those legacy characters the games have done it a bunch of times it's just it's just having the the will to sort of make that call and stick to it for like two movies instead of just one and then freaking out if people don't like it chris are you fixing all their problems in one statement maybe just not be reactive to anything that's not exactly how you've seen it like in your mind I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying to like do stick stick to a plan for like two movies. That hasn't been done so far. I don't, so far, I don't know. I think Patty Jenkins is still in the trunk of a Tesla somewhere. <laughs> They're like, Patty, we want you to sit there, do it, like prepare another like promo for uh, Celebration 2022. And somewhere there's just like like a Tesla dealership where there's, there's like a loud like thumping every couple of minutes, saying. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal with that was. Like, does that all come down to like Wonder Woman to getting like a ho hum reception or like what? Probably, like, probably they probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas, like much like Ryan Johnson, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Lucasfilm got cold feet. But think about because this is the thing about like Ryan Johnson. This is a theory, and I think I've mentioned it a couple times, but it's, it bears repeating because like much like where I work now, a lot, like obviously I am the de facto star Wars person. So people come up to me and just kind of like to uh, be like, it's kind of like, Oh God, somebody sees you wearing a sports Jersey. And so like anytime like that team is in the news, they have to come up to you and let you know, like, Oh, I know about this thing as well. And you know, I'm a good sport. So I humor them. And so like, someone's like, yeah, like Ryan Johnson's thing's been backburnered. And I'm like, a, where have you been the last five years? Cause that thing has been on ice for pretty much since the get-go and two the article does the article says that but that part isn't quoted from any particular person that's the author of the article saying backburnered the only quote they have on file and I, i'm not disagreeing that is the reality of the situation but pretty much the the quote states that like oh ryan johnson's very busy with his own stuff and how i've interpreted his involvement with star wars post last jedi is I would imagine in 2017, like after the Force Awakens was like, like locked in, like on the shelf, he probably signed a first look deal with them. They probably did that. So like every single thing, like after Last Jedi, his next project was Knives Out. So probably what happens is that like after every single time he finishes a project, he probably has to go to Lucasfilm and say, hey, are we going to work on this next? And they probably tell him, give us a couple, give us a couple of weeks and we'll get back to you. And they probably give him an answer. And if it's no, he's allowed to go work on the next thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happened to Patty Jenkins and Patty Jenkins in Rogue One. I wouldn't be surprised that like when they say, like, oh, this person's been hired to um direct very specific movie in Ryan Johnson's case trilogy. Um, I think it's probably something much more vaguer, uh, more vague and open-ended. And I think that's probably what it was. It, they probably shouldn't have done a promo video as early as they did. Um, but again, it's the same company that literally had a Josh Trank Boba Fett sizzle reel. And they basically canceled that the morning of them debuting that little like teaser trailer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I can sort of I don't I don't know if this is like 
who the listeners of this podcast are, but like, I really don't want people to get the wrong impression here. Like, you, you know, I am genuinely mostly not excited about new star wars material like but but it, I, like if you're a star wars fan i'm probably not on the same level of enthusiasm as you yeah but, but you know for example like we're like we're like we're like uh like laughing at, about hasbro stuff like oh what are they even doing they're not they have one figure for the kenobi show coming out and ewan mcgregor made fun of it on the reveal he was like he's like they 3d scanned me and still it comes out looking like this can you believe it and he thinks it looks terrible and that's the reveal of the figure the only figure for the show but you know like i was saying like um like i like like i'm like i'm going i'm going to celebration i just went to another a big convention i'm i'm going for the experience of like other f- aspects of the fandom like I, I i'm i hope the kenobi show is great i want it to be great i'm not you know what i mean like I'll, i'll be more happy if it's great um but i'm i'm going for the sort of the community aspects of it like i have a ton of friends who like this stuff they're a lot of them are collectors they get into the some a lot of the older stuff i there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you can sort of experience at these events that are like outside of the current property of the day for example like you know like you were saying um what every new hasbro figure is like 30 dollars now right here's something i got at that last show this is like a bomar monk three and three quarter and as much as the book of boba fett tried to make them uncool you can't really make uncool a robot spider with a brain in a jar this came out in like the late 90s through the fan club I got it like sealed in the mailer box for like 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's cooler than anything they're putting out right now. It just is. And you can find this stuff. And it's like, it's like if they released it, it's just, it's weird how we are as a fan culture, right? Like if Hasbro put that out right now, it would sell out. Mm-hmm. If they change nothing, just reissue it in a new box. It's just the psychology of the fact that it's 25 years old. People, there's nothing wrong with the sculpt or anything, right? So it's just like, you know, like, like, don't, don't get uh, me wrong when you sort of hear, like, I do sound cynical about a lot of this stuff, but like, I really enjoy the franchise. I'm going to, I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going to Celebration. I'll probably go to Galaxy's Edge. It's just like, I want, I, I want them to do more with it, sort of. As funny as this sounds, I want them to do more with it intellectually. And I, I doubt I'll get that from Kenobi, but I'm still sort of optimistic about it. I, I like the way they're presenting these new series. I hope that they all have really very little tr- structurally to do with the book of Boba Fett. I, but this is this is my thing, though, as a Star Wars fan. Like I said, this is not meant to be a Debbie Downer um like you said chris i'm kind of gonna echo your sentiment here is it like we are think about it there's only a finite amount of time of life and we're spending time discussing our woes with something like this um this is my concern though and this is as a star wars fan i got like we have a new star wars thing coming out in a week i I, 10 years ago i could not fathom that i'd be indifferent to it like there's, I am like, it's those things where like, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be exciting. Those first couple minutes, like seeing like the Lucasfilm logo. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to have that tingle of excitement and it's going to disappear immediately. Like it's cause it's going to be, it's drawn out. Like it's the idea of just like this. And again, this maybe just goes back to the hot dog factory scenario. Um, but like, I, I don't care 
and, and maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't have that doe-eyed expression. Um, but it goes back even to things like Jedi Fallen Order. That, like, I still think about that game all the time. That, like, it, it, there's that certain thing of just, like, I don't think about the Book of Boba Fett. There's not a single moment in the Book of Boba Fett I would want to rewatch. Um, outside of Luke Skywalker Mandalorian Season 2, there's not a single thing that I want to rewatch in The Mandalorian. And and I don't I don't know like it's weird to think of like Star Wars that way into like breaking it down to moments, um. But there there isn't that sort of I guess it's resonance, um. And, and that's the thing. Like as much as I I deride certain aspects of Disney Star Wars, th- there are moments. As much as like I think I've, I think I'm one of the loudest Rise of Skywalker champions there are. There's even moments from that which I like am over the moon for. But they're, they're, the, the, the TV thing is taking, like, I was always afraid as a Star Wars fan. At one point, there was going to be a, a, a Knights of Vader episode called Solo, or How I Learned to Love the Never-Ending never String of Spinoff Films. Um, I was going to do an episode like that at some point, because um, I was always afraid Disney was going to run Star Wars into the ground by making, like, doing the Marvel thing, like we mentioned. One movie a year, two movies a year, three movies a year. You know what's worse than six hours of Star Wars content a year in the form of movies? It's 18 to 24 hours of Star Wars content in the span of a year. I don't draw that much of a distinction. I think the MCU can tell you that they'll they would if they release movies at that pace, they're not they're not statements. They're not they're not events. They're they 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 become disposable because they don't if you're if you're if let's give them the amazing benefit of the doubt. That's not real. Say they plan the MCU story arcs, like 12 movies ahead, which there's no chance that they do. Even if like they don't, they may not know what the next, like the 10th one down the line is, but they know it will be something. So each note, it can only have so much going on for it. It's like what you're saying about Kenobi, how like you can't really do anything transformative because it's a piece in but sandwiched in between a chronology. Right. So it's like there it's like, I think the only way outside of it is just totally changing the time period and committing to it for a while, because, because it's, it, it, that's the problem with the MCU. They like, it's whether a character dies or not is dependent on how long they want to work with that actor and for how many more movies, it's nothing to do with the story. So I, I think that if you would have got those movies every year, you would be feeling the same way. No, exactly. But that's the thing I'm point I'm trying to make though is that like my worst fear were th- was three movies a year. Instead of that, I'm getting instead of three two hour movies, I'm getting three six hour series. Yeah, with more boring stuff in it and lower budgets. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's it's as if Luke again. Like we mentioned this at the very beginning, Bob Iger's thing was oh maybe too too much too fast too soon, and they are literally doing the opposite. They're doing just that. They are literally just, it's like, yeah, like it wasn't the fact that like we maybe did a little too much. Maybe we didn't let the stuff breathe. Maybe we didn't make it too exciting. No, it was all Aaron Reich. Solely all Aaron Reich, man. Like, like, like poor old Aaron Reich. Like he's sitting, he's being pulled off the LA Lakers, like uh, courtside seats with Jack Nicholson and only being thrown under the next bus that comes by. 
Um, Isn't it amazing? It's like you imagine being Alden Ehrenreich today. It's like it's like oh, they're they look at this Fan Fair article. They're <laughs> promoting the new Kenobi show. It's like hey, what did I do? What do you? <laughs> that was like three four years ago. <laughs> what do you, exactly. Come on, man. Why is it, why is this like the main quote from this Kathleen Kennedy interview <laughs> right it, before it, Kenobi comes? You out? know what the sad thing is? I wouldn't be surprised. If Lucasfilm somehow works him into like Andor season two, like you know, but he's also, gonna show how, up again at some point. But also, how can they say that when it's like, isn't isn't like isn't the Lando show still a real thing? And like the like recently, like Donald Glover like had an interview where they asked him about, it and he's like, I don't know, I'm I can't say anything about that. So he like strongly implied that exactly. he's, he's the lead. Exactly. So it's like. How can you say we can't recast key I, characters I think, while you're literally working on that? I think to bring this back to a cinematic tenant, it's that nothing matters. And that like we can't trust and the only thing we can trust is that we can't trust anything. Um, I think it, it boils down to just they Lucasfilm, the industry says and does whatever it wants in the moment. It doesn't matter. Like even uh like like again, Chris, I'm much more of a theme park aficionado than you are. But I imagine the the Marvel film, The Eternals, blipped on your radar as a thing, right? That is the extent of it. Okay, you are aware it's a thing that exists. I think my only thought was ever. Hey, that's weird that Angelina Jolie is in the MCU. Yes. And then I never thought about it again. So just real quick to show you how all this stuff folds into each other, regardless if it's successful or not. In the Eternals, the the it's, that's a weird, it's a very strange movie. But probably one of the aspects you would like is that there are celestials and they're, they're these really weird Jack Kirby looking creatures. Like they are pillars of the universe. And one of them is like like they're pretty much the villains of the film and is i think you're aware chris like the eternals was unsuccessful under the guise of a marvel film okay yet you but just opened it epcot in walt disney world in florida has been the guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind ride and guess who the villain of the ride is it's a celestial from like not specifically from Eternals, but considering like Celestials were a big, big, the largest thing that they ever been in Marvel wise, that's what Disney and all these brands do. If something is unsuccessful, it just gets folded into something that is successful until its image is rehabilitated. Like it's gonna happen with all of this. Like whether it be oh god, the uh, Alden Aaron Reich and Andor season two, a celestial in a Guardians of the Galaxy Disney ride. Or Hot Toys making roughly two to three thousand dollars in MSRP of figures for a film that twenty years ago was considered the worst thing to ever grace humanity. I, I think the thing is that like all of this stuff eventually rehabilitates itself. I, I think it's just like, but but I but it's like why? So like I this is like you know this is a question that I'm sure uh, marketing professionals have the answer to or or whether they know why it happens or not, they just know that it does. And that's why they behave in this way. But it's just shocking to me. It's like, so you're talking about this, like sort of like alien villain or whatever they're reusing. It's like, why is that a better call than just making a new character? Like there's obviously data to suggest that that's the case. So like, basically what is wrong with human beings is my question to you. <laughs> that that I... they would rather see something familiar that they didn't like than something new. 
I, I think it boils down to, I don't know if again, like whether it be again, marketing or consumer behavior, I think it comes down to just like, it's the idea of you are supposed to like this thing. If you didn't take it the first time, we're just going to put some ketchup on it and you're going to take it again. It's like putting like, like wrapping the pill in bologna for a dog. But, but, but like, but what, what is the, what is the motivation behind such defense uh, rather than just moving on to a new thing? I, I hubris. <laughs> like we're going to go more into psychology right now, yeah. but I think it's hubris, ego. But, so, but the, but the, I mean, the, whatever that, whatever that motivating force is, it is literally the cause of all of my annoyance with Star Wars. So okay. I would, I would like to know more, but yeah, I don't know. It's all right. Okay, because I like I said, because we've already been talking for like ninety minutes, Chris. We're probably boring the listener at home, but like, yeah, I don't know how much longer this conversation is going to go. But I have one question. I want like by the time next time I talk to you, any sort of recording capacity, you will be back from celebration. There is something I want. You're gonna be hanging around a lot of people, a lot of people in the know, a lot of just the gossip. There's one question I have for you that I want you to have an answer for when you come back to Knights of Vader. Okay. Oh geez. Okay. And I think I you 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 have no idea where I'm gonna go at right now. But the moment I tell you the question, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, I should have figured this." All right. Why isn't there more Rise of Skywalker Palpatine merchandise? Oh my! I want you to come back with a very specific answer for me. And I don't care which version of the character, whether it's uh oh god the the Animus Palpatine or if it's Crimson Robe Palpatine. I okay. want you to find out as much about that because I want a Hot Toys Palpatine figure from Rise of Skywalker. You know what? That might be the most. That might be the most likely um, uh, uh, episode nine Palpatine product you are to get. Like that might actually happen because you know at the end of the day, it's a it's some tailoring work and a new head for Hot Toys. So you, you, it could happen. Um, but I mean, I, it's been, it's been a, it's been a while since we, uh, since we recorded. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to the listeners on the subject of episode nine Palpatine that I did pay for an Ian McDermott autograph at this ICC con that I went to. So I, I got in, I, I was there with the Ontario collectors Alliance, which is as, as nerdy as it sounds, it's like Ontario vintage star Wars collectors group. So we had a club table there. So we had, the, we had these, we had badges that were better than VIP. So we got in real early. I signed up for my Ian McDermott autograph and I walked up there and I presented him a photo of him getting his makeup done from episode nine. And I asked him to sign. Somehow I returned. <laughs> And I said, he said, somehow I returned. And I said, I think that would be very funny. And he said, I also think that would be very funny. And he signed it. So, I mean, I like on some level, he is aware that there is extreme silliness about his uh, his return. And like on, on something about that mildly resonated with him. And he had a very small chuckle while he signed it. So, you know, he's he's not he's not in. uh He's not unaware of the funniness about it. You know what I mean? He's not living in a fantasy. No, no, no. I can't imagine Ian McDermott is nothing but a good sport about this, um, about any of it. Oh, my God, Chris. Like, like, Chris, you've probably seen it before, like, on YouTube. Like, they have, like, those people who do, like, oh, God, like, it's the two, three-hour-long retrospectives on some very, very niche topic. 
and like i look at this and i'm like i love that i love deep dives like i've said it numerous times on cinematis there's like a three and a half hour long blade runner documentary i hate the movie blade runner i love the documentary because just how like into the nitty-gritty it gets i kind of like like my goal in life is i just want to write the behind the scenes book on the rise of skywalker like i just like like whether it be jj abrams colin madman trevaro like i just want to know what happened to that movie i i just like because even this real quick this is probably the conversation for another day but i've been going through some rise of skywalker marketing and there are so many lines of dialogue that either aren't in the finished film or were slightly tweaked in uh, post-production and this goes to another contemporary uh star wars story apparently i didn't know this maybe it's something that's been talked about like in the fan community for a while but apparently like all the dialogue in Attack of the Clones had to be ADR'd. Well, I mean, that doesn't really surprise me. Basically, all the dialogue in the entire original trilogy is ADR'd as well. Is it? Almost everything. Okay. Because the story is for Attack of the Clones, I guess the, the cameras that Lucas was using at the time, like for very primitive digital photography, were like so loud. <laughs> they couldn't record or record like properly on set audio. Um, it, it's just one of those things where... I get like any sort of movie production. There's like countless, countless stories, but like I, maybe I'm just kind of like again, it's that phenomenon of going into the woods and every single twig you hear snap is Bigfoot. Maybe I'm just looking for things, but like that's just a film that like I, I've said it numerous times, but like I would kill for that shooting script. I would kill for the script they went into principal photography with, even if there was like literally like a couple of words on a cocktail napkin that JJ used that morning for his coffee. Yeah, well, I think I think um, you know, if uh, and on the subject of your uh, your goal of writing that that the behind the scenes book, you know, you could do something because there are people involved with that who do like talking about it. Who they had they were in positions where they would have known things, and they're 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 reasonably accessible people. It's just you know, like getting them to sort of comment on stuff and put their name behind it while they're still working is going to be the, is the tricky part they have to but, wait uh, 20 to 25 years is what you're saying when these people are, well, like, are clearly I mean, like in their like retirement like sunset phase i mean maybe maybe 10 but uh <laughs> maybe 10 but um i think uh i think that there's there's i think some of that stuff will will start to come out because because uh, you know as even though even though it's the wrong message that uh, the reason Solo failed is because of Alden Ehrenreich, it's healthy to admit that you made mistakes. It's the wrong mistake that she's admitting to, but it's it, it's it's more than we usually get from them, you know. So like maybe that's sort of like it's kind of like how the behind the scenes books, like the Rinsler ones, are like like real stuff is in those stories and like the new ones are like a lot fluffier because like they're more worried it, it's, it's stuff that happened recently with people who are still in big time in the industry so it's like it's a sanitized making of sequel trilogy versus uh what brinsler was doing i think there was he there was even an abandoned making a force awakens yeah. that he was involved in that was what, yeah, yeah right I there that. was a real one that got canceled yeah <laughs> so, well yeah our, so, claim, yeah. our claim to again yeah. it's funny this was back during star wars junk days we're like oh god he got he got jw rinsler to appear on the podcast and that was while he was doing his blog 
and weirdly we thought at the time that maybe we were the impetus for that like why he got canceled because like the same like it was like the day before we were supposed to start recording he canceled and that was the same day he deleted the blog where he was like chronicling like everything that went wrong with like the prequel trilogy um yeah like we know like because yeah apparently from what i've read that like jb rensler presented the manuscript to them for the force awakens like it's it's there like blemishes and all and it's sitting on a shelf somewhere like like obviously it doesn't exist for the last jedi and, and anything else but like there at least is a uh oh god what would you not official documentation but at least it, it's been it was officially sanctioned maybe Right, so which can't be said it, for it, any of the other subsequent projects. Yeah, and it, it was too real for them, so so they had they had to go another route. That's that's the it truth. Too, like that's literally been yeah. the story is that like they didn't like the fact that like he was so kind of just matter of fact about things, and that's when they shut it down. But like I think it's oh god, what's his name? Phil so oh god, he has one of those names. Sozak. Um, he's a concept artist, and I I know because he does the foreword for a lot of these books. And I think that's how he's kind of commented on it over the years. Like it was a little too real and Lucasfilm deemed it too distracting from the, from the property that was going to launch for it to be released. You know what though, looking back, it can't be any more distracting than saying we definitely can't recast key characters. Like that's just, you know what I mean? Like that's the weirdest <laughs> thing to say than almost that's anything. How, that's how it begins. That's, that's, that's the first sentence of the book. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? That's why we're dig- dusting off all the OT actors because we just couldn't possibly reach. Du- well, what do you? Okay, and I guess, I guess, I don't want. Like I said, we don't want this to go on forever. But like, what do you think yeah. of that? Marvel Disney has signed an agreement with Stanley's estate to use his likeness indefinitely in every piece of media imaginable. I think that the that agreement on paper was was a foregone conclusion that it would happen i don't know if that'll actually be executed but i feel like the way those companies work that agreement was going to be proposed and agreed to based on the monetary values involved whether they end up actually putting him in those movies or not but at what point did this become unsustainable like you remember what was a couple like a year or two ago they were going to do the um, james dean movie with like like ultron james dean everyone's just like isn't this a little icky? Like it's one thing when it's Tarkin for like five minutes, but to actually have a movie star and actor that's been dead now for how many decades? Like, will I guess this question is now that we have Ultron, Luke Skywalker, is Luke Skywalker gonna live forever as a character? Is he gonna be like Chewbacca? I I don't think um I don't think that those moments have have the I mean, and that's this is a writing problem, not a not it's not a technology problem. It's like they didn't give him they didn't give him something that was an important beat for his character. So it's like it's a forgettable like I know that some people it seemed to have changed their lives. It's a forgettable sort of interaction with Ultron, Luke Skywalker, and Grogu because it's not to do with the Skywalker saga. In fact, it is a it is a distraction from the Skywalker saga, given where it lands canonically, because it just brings up more questions than than answers. And it, it, it I, I just I don't think I don't think they're going to do that. I think it, maybe it'll be a while, but I think by the time they'd be comfortable doing it, the the marketing cachet of 
of Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker may have been diminished because, you know, in, in the, even in the current time period, those original trilogy fans are still spending. They're still their their dollars still have value. They're they're you know they're 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 approaching retirement age, but like those those uh those original fans are are still on the market, and you know in in twenty years time that's not really going to be the case. So I don't know if there's as much value in a leading man CGI Mark Hamill Luke Skywalker in twenty years as there is right now. I don't know, Chris. That is a. Uh... Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, is one of those larger-than-life characters. Like, like, give me five character actors, five actors that play characters that are as, like, point to it and say this is, like, when you, think, like, when you say Mark Hamill, it's Luke Skywalker. Like, Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark. Like, it, it's, like, I would imagine that clearly Disney for Robert Downey Jr. has signed something to use his likeness indefinitely. Whether, let's just say, let's just say tomorrow, Robert Downey Jr., a meteor fell out of the sky and Monty Python anviled him. Like, like, just say that. Like, like, just think of that. I would imagine that for every single one of these actors for 10 pole movies, I would imagine they are forced to do the Mark Hamill Ultron thing. So they have it at their disposal. Like, why do you think the Carrie Fisher Leia thing in Rise of Skywalker was able to be done so easily unless they kind of knew this was something, this was an insurance policy. Well, a couple things. It wasn't done easily. It looks weird. It still looks weird. They didn't fix it. They could have very easily written her out of the movie. They think about it. They could have very easily written her some dialogue that wasn't like a clip of something she said in the other movie, but they didn't do that either. So that was a, I mean, that was, that is the worst possible example. That was a hot mess. They should have just totally cut that out of the movie. But, but, but I think, but I don't know, like maybe I I feel like people sort of lose their, I don't know, people lose their infatuation with the actors to some degree. Maybe I'm, maybe I never glommed on to to like uh, casting choices in that way. But, you know, I remember like before the sequel trilogy really took off, like I'd like, I would, I would see Carrie Fisher at like Toronto comic conventions like fan expo and stuff and like i wasn't couple of couple observations about that thinking back (laughs) very very short lines and i never felt compelled to go up looking back on it now with the with the 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 godlike status the fan community has awarded her posthumously that seems crazy right but i would i vividly remember this probably 2013 or 14 there's maybe 10 people in line. It's like, shit, it's like 60 bucks. (laughs) And I just, the fascination around princess Leia was not out of fever pitch at that point. I could easily see the world getting back to that sort of status quo in not too long, a period of time related to the sort of original trilogy cast. So, so just, I don't, I don't think CGI Luke Skywalker Ad infinitum is a foregone conclusion. I, I just don't know if it'll be that compelling right, to people. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I, 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 at least I hope not. I mean, I, <laughs> you I know, know right? I, I, yeah. Okay. I, okay. So I guess just finally wrapping up the Vanity Fair piece. Um, 
it looks like another weird thing about Lucasfilm when it comes to like just detailing stuff. Mandalorian season three is either 2022 or 2023. I kind of like they kind of give a, a two year span as in, yeah, it'll be one of these. I, it's I found that like, it's, Yeah, it's like it's like it's like if people feel this new show, it'll be sooner. If people get annoyed, we might space it out a little bit. That's probably <laughs> what it comes down to. And then even Ahsoka, because what Ahsoka is just now starting principal photography, and that I would assume the absolute earliest. Oh God, this time next year, the absolute earliest. Yeah, and but I mean, but it's it's still going to be a lot. Like you're gonna you're gonna have like in inside a year, you're gonna have Obi Wan Mandalorian season three. I mean, I don't. I I am no longer interested in the bad batch but you'll have that season two as well like are we sure because like there's not even been talk about that i just i think i think it's just a marketing choice that it'd be a distraction prior to obi-wan but i'm sure there's going to be something about the bad batch season two at celebration what about tales of the jedi wasn't that supposed to be something that's like what it's supposed to be little like shorts as I didn't like maybe I'm maybe I'm like uh behind on the news, but I didn't even realize that had been officially announced. It hasn't capacity. been like it, it's one of those things where like there was some like Lucasfilm party favor at like Christmas time, right? And then like it's apparently yeah. like an animated short series, like I, I visions level, I'm guessing, like in the sense of like just yeah. like and how concise time wise it's supposed to be. Um, I don't know, like it's it's weird. Can you imagine have... if that? If that's like actually sort of uses the comics as a source material and has like Eula Keldroma and XR Coon, like I'll be pretty happy with that. Somehow I think it is going to be a name only Tales of the Jedi. Oh, 100%. Like, again, yeah. marketing for nostalgia. But no, that's but like, yeah. I know. That's the thing. I, it's weird to think of that though. And I get it. Like, they, they want, and this is where it comes back to the Vanity Fair thing of like Lucasfilm doing this. If they're not just simply doing it out of uh, some misplaced sense of tradition, it's that they want people to view the live action TV shows as the equivalent of a movie. And clearly their market uh, research is saying that people do not view them at that same level. Right. And well, I mean, it's, I think that's almost entirely to blame on the book Boba Fett, (laughs) but like literally it changed, it changed the tone, man. Like I took the Mandalorian more seriously before I saw the book of Boba Fett. I did psychologically i don't i don't know about that because there's no way the book of boba fett did that much damage there's no I, i'm not saying that like it, it i don't know it's i don't think Kate, but boba fett it's, was that the, it's it's it, like it is the dumbest live action star wars thing is it is it really yes. Yes. Have you seen Attack of the Clones or the Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> I've seen I've seen Ewoks the Battle for Endor. And you really and Boba think Book of Boba Fett is cornier than that? I think it's like it's there's there's something you it's relying on this sort of retro uh, retrospective like look at the Ewoks movies, but they are more interesting. It's I... just there's they're more interesting just in some in a in a production sense. The Book of Boba Fett is just like you can give them, the Ewoks thing. You can give them an excuse. It was made for five dollars by Lucas Lucasfilm standards. It was made for TV, and when TV was a different thing, the Book of Boba Fett is just inexcusable in in the current like context of like the world right now. It's just I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think but, Boba, Book of Boba Fett is like on the same tier as like 
Stranger Things season three. Like it's just, yeah, I would never watch it, that. But yeah, okay, there you go. Saying. Like I know, Chris. There's also a point where we might have to come to realize that they're not making this stuff for us. And I don't mean. I that. just want them to make it for human beings who are adults. That's all I want. Have you seen? Like, have you seen the average human being that is an adult? You're talking about the hot dog munchers of the game. Again, exactly. I don't want them to get angry have you at ever, us. Like, has, have people ever thought about when they say like, oh, they're not making this content for us. Maybe it's not like an age maturity thing. It's for a culture, cult, cultural societal like angle. Yeah, but it's like it, it's it's like when people say, "Though you're not the intended audience," they're not giving the intended audience a compliment. A compliment. Exactly. Like they shouldn't throw that argument out there. Like have you have you know. seen what Netflix produces on a weekly basis? Like it's literally just garbage. Like forget about the hot dog; it's just like a boot with ketchup like smeared on the bottom of it. But yeah, the, the basically the overall point of this is, is that like who is this? intended for and, and that's a question i've been asking for years now on this podcast is that who is disney making this content for and i think the answer is everybody and that is clearly the wrong way to go about making anything because if you try to make something that appeals to everyone you eventually appeal to no one yeah well i think that's what i, I mean i just i think that's the way things are done these days and that that's just you can see it across the board with movies and tv shows that this uh at this budget level so it's probably an unfortunate uh reality of our uh, current uh state of culture huh what a incredible time to be alive all righty chris with that being said is there anything else when it comes to uh vanity fair celebration kenoba that any predictions you want to make any uh anything you do you, before any of this what do you think is gonna happen it's gonna be a big week for star wars seven days i think now. yeah i i feel like they have to have at least one uh wild card announcement up their sleeve for celebration i don't i i, I think i don't know what that is but remember we got the announcement of the most underwhelming series of all time at the end of a mandalorian episode so if they're going to do something like that they're going to save some kind of announcement for celebration when and because we have celebration the week of obi-wan coming out they have to have something planned something interesting um, i i think the first two the first two episodes of kenobi i'm sure are going to play real smooth where it goes from there i am both equally excited and terrified so um i'm excited for that i i'm gonna be at celebration i'm i'm leaving on the 24th so i'll be there a little bit early um and uh like i said i'm gonna be uh doing some work on the collecting track so if any listeners are going to celebration and they want to say hi you'll pretty much be able to find me at the collector's track stage anytime there's a collector's track panel going on so that that'd be cool if you want to come say hi i'm gonna be filming the panels up there yeah i'm excited for celebration it's gonna be fun very cool all right, so concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group, type Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you will find us there waiting for you. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you want to hear more from me, please come listen to the Cinemodies podcast. The latest episode was a uh, film that neither Rob or I was participating in, but Chris was. 1998's Urban Legend. Uh, as somebody who was not involved with that recording at all, it is a, a hoot of an episode. So at the very least, I would imagine uh, 
Chris would recommend to listen to that because it, it's a trip, man. That episode is a trip. Yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, hanging out with some of your other uh, uh, guest hosts over on Cinemodities who I haven't had the chance to talk to before. And we got to talk about the very goofy uh, 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 or slasher urban legend, which wouldn't exist if Scream didn't exist. And it's not a good movie. <laughs> Indeed. Alrighty, Chris, when you are not at Celebration and you're not on this podcast or on Cinemodities, where can people find you? You can find me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram and also uh, go ahead and follow KOV podcast on Instagram as well while you're at it. Oh, yeah. Lots of pictures on there, I'll bet, in the next few days. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you.